In this episode, we'll be talking all about the brand new series of Wrapped Up, and everything that we have planned. We'll be meeting our brand new co-host, Lexi, will be helping us, and talking a bit about Disability Pride Month once again, as it starts today. Hello and welcome to episode one of series two of Ramped Up, the podcast all about disability. My name is George Browse. My name is Julie Shenford. And we have a brand new co-host. Hi, I'm Lexi Bushnell. And uh, the three of us are here to uh, essentially bring you a whole other series of Ramped Up, hopefully a bit better than the first series. Uh, hopefully we've figured out a bit more about what we're doing and how we're doing stuff and all this sort of thing. We are still learning, but uh, we're having good fun in the process, so that's the important thing, I think. Yes, I uh, So we're always looking for you know new guests to come and join us and to talk to us about their experiences. It doesn't matter what form of disability you have. Um, it might be you know, you're you're uh, physically disabled or you have an intellectual, sensory um, or um, hidden disability or mental health condition, you know, we, we're, we want to hear from everyone um, because the, num- the types of disabilities are, because mm, the types of disabilities vary so much, uh, we want to hear everyone's experience. Um, I think in this episode, we just really wanted to give you a bit of a rundown about our sort of plans and a bit of a catch-up, really, what sort of happened between season one and season two, give you a bit of a better explanation about why there was such a long pause and these sorts of things. Um, That's our our plan, I think, for this episode. Okay. Okay, so kind of... um... My main reason why we weren't able to record basically any episodes between when we finished season one, basically to now, is mainly because I've been in university in university full time, um, and trying to balance a social life, university life, and plus also the podcast. I kind of felt like it was unfair both on my part and on Joel's part to rush recording episodes and also the fact that we didn't have the time to properly sit down and have a proper chat about it, about what our expectations were, what we wanted to do, um, just basically the future of podcasts. And now that I've got a few months off um, until I start again for um, year two of my studies, I guess we wanted to not only record, but also find a solution. And seeing as Lexi was very much happy to help and join us, we thought, why not introduce her and hopefully bring good content? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think between me and Julia, we were just so busy with multiple projects I was 
you know, trying to get as much done as possible with finding a job, uh, volunteering in a bunch of different charities and, uh, you know, just so many different things at the time. It, the time that we had left to get the podcast done, it would have been rushed. It would have been low quality. It would have just destroyed us. Um, and so we had to take a hiatus, which me and Julia were very, very reluctant to do because we enjoy it so much. We enjoy just uh, being in front of a camera, hitting record and talking and sharing our experiences and saying, oh, this is what I struggled with and this was really cool when this happened and these sorts of things. It's so great just to uh, tell people your story. Um, and I personally have found it so freeing to do that. And so it was really sad to not be doing that. Um, and I really did miss it, and I really felt bad for the hiatus. Um, but that's why we brought in Lexi. Because if I if I was to do the podcast myself, oh boy, would it be boring just hearing my voice and my voice alone. <laughs> so yeah. to have Lexi come on board and the three of us sort of co-hosting, and if Julia's not available, then we've still got two people. Or if I'm not available, you know, just... We're still at yeah. least two people. Mm. Yeah. And also something else we wanted to kind of put up again is our social media accounts as well, especially our Discord, which we yeah. did launch, but we're not showing any luck to. Um. So, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to start running everything back up again. Yeah. And this is something that we're... With me and Julia in particular have always been really passionate about, we've always been passionate about disability and activism and all of these sorts of things. Um, and so we're sort of getting things together behind the scenes, uh, opening up new doors and, you know, making friends and, you know, making these connections. Uh, it's really exciting for us. I think one of the things that we're planning for this episode, again, is just talking to lots and lots of people. Um, and so I, I've got some contacts with Scope, who are the disability equality charity here in the UK. And I'll start working with them, actually, with a Discord server. They're set up a Discord server. Um, I'll be working with them to get new people in and talking to us. Hello, Editor Joel here. Just to clarify a bit, um, I helped Scope to set up a server for them to build a community of young people in the UK that is separate to our Discord server that we have that is for everyone of all ages, of all disabilities, wherever you are in the world. Um, I was actually on TV recently. Well, I say recently. Recently relative to recording. By the time you hear this, uh, it will be out for, I think, four weeks-ish. Actually, no, not that long. Three yeah. weeks, I think. Um, yeah. I was on a terrestrial channel here in the UK called ITV, uh, which is a pretty big charity. Uh, charity? A pretty big channel. Um, and I was on their programme talking about accessibility. I was only in it for a couple of minutes. Um, but uh, should I insert that clip in the podcast? Maybe I will. 
But it's not just about access to information and help from staff in person. Even finding the correct up-to-date info on accessibility can be challenging. You've got these maps, but they had their own fatal flaw where as soon as they printed, they're effectively dated because things change all of the time. This group of young people are coming together to consult with Transport for London on how to improve both the accessibility of the service and how to better serve the community so people understand what is available. I have had members of staff go, oh, just use the TFL Go app or whatever, and you'll find the information on if it's step free or not, but not everyone thinks to do that. Some people just want to get from point A to point B. Hopefully with scope, we can create some resources that will help uh, Londoners who need uh, help with accessibility. I've never heard of some of these resources and that well, I'm going, this is going to change how I plan my journeys. I think progress is happening, but very, very, very slowly. It doesn't make sense to me when one of Britain's values is equality. But yeah, I attended this really cool event uh, where basically we talked about TFL, Transport for London, that is, um, and, you know, the areas where they're failing, got given some resources and spoke to different, um, different people about it and, you know, the sort of struggles that we daily face just using public transport. I think a lot of people take it for granted. Um, well, yeah, I, I was saying it was sort of a hit and miss situation when travelling. Yeah, we're actually travelling in a couple of weeks to the Expo, Disability Expo. And let me tell you, the anxiety in me is rising. <laughs> yeah, so actually when you hear this, um, we will be going to the Expo. Um, in like a week. Maybe it'll be already be up while we're at it. Yeah, so this episode will already be published. This episode's been published on 1st of July. Next week, we'll be talking a bit more to Willow about, um, you know, who she is and find out about her. Uh, and it'll be the day after that episode. Wait, no, the day before that episode, we'll be going to the two day expo. So there's, um, I think. By the time you hear this, there will still be tickets available. I'm not sure. But essentially, there's a dis disability expo in London uh, where there's lots of talks and lots of events and stores and things that will be set up. Um, and me and Julia, we're really looking forward to going. Um, I hope okay. there's still tickets when you're hearing this uh, and, and you're able to go because it looks like a really cool event. It's been quite good in, re in previous years. So... Yeah, and we'll definitely be posting on our social media what's there and, you know, all, as many different things as possible. We could try and do, like, a mini-vlog. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or just a highlight reel. Yeah. 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 That's the all, all the cool things. Because um, I've had, like really cool wheelchairs there and mobility aids and uh like like i'm genuinely excited to go yeah it, it, it's like a cool event <laughs> sounds awesome yeah am i just delayed for you guys or is it I think we've all got a bit of delay across the board. 
because like I'm hearing random like that like awkward silences from John and like John are you talking or you know <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, yeah. My, we've got <laughs> delays across the board. <laughs> I'm delayed. It's Julia's delayed. delayed. Willow's delayed. Lexi. <laughs> oh my goodness. In script camp, I'm going to start calling yeah, you yeah. Lexi. Yeah. I am sorry to everyone. My internet is so, so bad here in my neighborhood. And this is some of the best that it gets. Unfortunately, it gets so bad during the rest of the day. Oh, that's why we record today in the morning. Yeah. You, we get straight into that. Yes, you have to pre book uh, Lexi or Willow. You have to pre book her early in the mornings while her internet is still good. Yeah. <clears throat> and it uh, doesn't help that uh, Lexi has the night shift, well, not night shift, but the late shift. So you stop work at what, like 1 a.m. or something? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, no, I um, about that. Well, 1 p.m. Oh, like... you work 1 p.m. till 9 p.m. Yeah. Okay. Which then translates to uh, to be like early in the morning around 1 a.m. Uh, no, I think it. you, you finish working at. You finish work at 5 a.m. for me. Oh, oh, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, well, I remember because you had just finished a night shift. Oh, a night shift. You just finished your work and you came out and were driving home. and Or you stopped or something. And we were just watching the sunrise together on a video call. I remember that. Yep, <laughs> yep. That, that is true. We did do that. Oh. <laughs> uh... Yeah, because like so many people that you talk to are here in the states, so your sleep schedule is all screwed up. I don't sleep schedule. What on so, earth is a sleep schedule? I have no idea what that is. Sleep schedule has been messed up since the second year of college. That was twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I used to in twenty twenty one. I would go to sleep at two a.m. And now that I've got friends in the States, I'm like, okay, I can fully embrace it. And I'll go to sleep at 5 a.m. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but then when I need you, you're not there. And I'm like, good damn it, Joe, you're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You do not understand because he will message me at 3 in the morning. Any normal sane person will not be up at 3 in the morning, <laughs> but you will be. What makes you think I'm sane? Nothing. The fact that I'm getting text at 3am. <laughs> I literally did the other day. And I was like, oh, she'll pick it up when she wakes up. He's going to record at 4pm tomorrow. Are you down? Literally, I respond to him the next day, the day of recording, in the morning. He's like, yeah, sure, no worries. See you in a couple of hours. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> You'll get used to it. Uh, I'm gonna have to. The fact that I'm in university, my sleep schedule is whack. So the first week of sleeping was glorious. At half past midnight <laughs> on Thursday, I said at half past midnight on Thursday, just like 
why do I keep forgetting I'm an introvert? And I'm like, hmm, I probably shouldn't have messaged her that because she's not going to see that for until I'm asleep. A couple of, couple of hours later, and I'm like, what are you on about? Are you okay? <laughs> Should I call somebody? <laughs> oh, boy. And then he responds to me at like 1pm, our time. And he's like, I just woke up. I'm, I'm just staring at the ceiling. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, my sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know. If you, anyway, if you know me in yeah. real life, I'm sorry in advance. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel that. I feel that. Let's move on, because I feel like this isn't going to make a very interesting topic for a podcast. Um, I feel like this is already becoming a train wreck of an episode. Just like every other episode, what's new? <laughs> Not really. I'm here for... People have just told me, we're recording, come on, and that was the end of our conversation. Mm. <laughs> so... What were you going to say, Lexi? No, I'm here for the train wreck. <laughs> Welcome to the train wreck. You're part oh, of right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come and join us, Thomas, on this train wreck. Talking of uh, train wreck. Just make sure just make sure you come not caffeinated and half asleep. <laughs> then we'll Oh no. Uh, I've already checked off those boxes. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Uh, uh, funny enough, I wrote an episode like because I'm a screenwriter. Uh, I I wrote a scene where there's a train crash, um, and I've never written any script without disability in it. And so there are these teenagers who like lose their limbs to this train accident and stuff, and it's a sci-fi thing. So. One of the girls like has superpowers and she like tips over the train or something. It's like wild. Tell me you're unhinged without telling me you're unhinged. <laughs> you know, I I think writing is such a great like way of just getting out your your deep feelings. Oh, agree. Like I have Absolutely. written some seriously stark stuff. No, you tell me intensely dark stuff in normal conversations, especially in college. And I was like, what are you on about? Are you okay? <laughs> no, thing with Joel is he loves intensely gory stuff. I like what? They're gory, not gory things, but like gore and medical mixed together. Oh, yes. I do enjoy the, it, um, the medical stuff. This is not a planned episode, Joel. No. Oh man, it's like those Zoom calls, huh? I guess that's that's the update. Keeping it short and sweet, we've been off. Yeah, everything's a train wreck. Expo, see you soon. Hello, this is editing Joel. Just quickly coming in here to say, I completely forgot everything that I was meant to be doing. We lost our notes for the podcast recording, and so we were a bit of a mess. But don't worry, we remembered. Oh, 
I forgot the obvious. Uh, because this has been posted in July, it would be Disability Pride Month, which is the reason that we're posting it in July. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, wh- why we need a Disability Pride Month. That's what this episode is supposed to be about. <laughs> so kind of based off of what International Pride Month is, is bringing awareness. And I think that's kind of the main... It's really the main reason we actually started this podcast is to raise awareness. Um, and I think what we tried to do last season, as we said, was we tried to celebrate each day of International uh, Disability Pride Month. And it didn't work out too well for us. <laughs> but we will try. Not saying it's going to happen. But we can try. Yeah. Now, question. Um, is there anything regarding your uh, disability or your life that you are proud about? That, I don't know, it, it's pride mouth. So tell us what you, maybe something you like or... I would say that. I'll go. I mean, I would say that just being disabled is a massive part of my identity because of the way that it affects my entire life. Uh, It affected my education. It affects my transport. It affects my relationships. It affects my work. It affects the way I get dressed. It affects literally every aspect of me. And because of that, if I didn't have my disability, I'd be a different person. And so that's why I'm proud of it, because it is quite literally a part of who I am. I would argue it's more, it has more of an effect on me than my race or my gender or anything else, because nothing else affects the rest of my life like that. Um, and like, I think also because I'm so visibly and so obviously disabled, like I'm a full-time wheelchair user and I have little legs and so on, people, you can't like look at me and not realise that I'm disabled. And so I just embrace that. People notice it and I don't mind because it's part of who I am. Um, that's what it means to me to be proud of my disability. Um, I embrace it. It's not something that I try and hide away. It's not something that I'm embarrassed about or I hate about myself. I used to hate it. I I remember when I was like six, I used to pray every night that God would make me able-bodied. But actually, as I grew up, I was like, actually, being disabled is okay. It, it it's it's my life, and I'm happy with it. You know, it took me a while to accept it, but I. I have definitely accepted it now. Mm. No, I, I'm kind of the same like with Joel, as in there's no way to hide it. I can't hide it, and unfortunately it does affect everything I do. Maybe the most number one thing that makes me proud of myself 
and kind of makes me realize that although I do accept this as my as part of my identity, it's not entirely my identity, and I think it's also the way I was raised with my parents. So my parents, they although they immigrated from Poland to the UK to give me a better life, they also raised me in a way that just because you're disabled doesn't mean you can't do anything. So it's kind of why I'm on this journey of getting my education because I've been taught at a young age that I'm not going to be able to work physically it's just not possible however I've got another ability which is my brain and my intelligence and my way of gathering knowledge and using that knowledge to better help hence also why I'm a huge activist about ability because I know I can use what I learn as a way to make things better. Although it's going to be a slow process, it's going to happen, and slowly but surely the next generation of disabled people, whether they are from a young age or if they are just being diagnosed at an earlier time in their life, but they're still very much new to this community, I can give them a way in saying, hey, it used to be a little bit worse before but now it's going better but with the impact that I can bring and everyone else can bring it's going to get better with time. What about you Julia? Uh, no not Julia. That's a wrong name entirely. What about you Lexi? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if proud of having a disability is quite the right word. Um, more of since I was born born uh, seemingly normal, that um, there is an expectation, a societal and familial expectation that uh, that I be normal and I do certain things. and and so, family and people, strangers, I mean, everyone expects me to do normal things and to act in a normal way. But in reality, uh, it's a lot more, I guess, I tend to hide my issues a bit more when I am in uh, public. Now, when I, I am alone, when I am in my own home, I am happy. I can just be however I want to be and live however I want to live. It doesn't, I don't have to adhere to any kind of societal expectations or what is normal. I, I can design my my area to be comfortable for me. Um, and there are certain things that I do when I am out in public. I have uh, uh, I have taken to, I guess, not, not be a, being ashamed. I'm not ashamed of stuttering like I used to be. I'm not ashamed of stimming. In fact, stimming is something that I now do quite a lot and I just do it. I don't care what anyone else thinks. 
there is society, there is the still the societal expectations of, well, why is, why would this situation make you uncomfortable? Why can't you just accomplish this job? Um, and it ends up being more that people can get very disappointed in me for failing at certain things. So I do my best not to fail. But when I am by myself, when I am in my own home, it's okay to fail. It's okay to, it's okay to be free. It's okay to do, um, so I have issues with um, ADHD and my mind is, I'm trying to do one task and my mind is on three other tasks. So I tend to do one thing, a little bit of this, and then a little bit of that. And then I'll go over here and do a little bit of this. And then I'll, and I do it in little itty bitty increments. And that works great for me. That does not work so well outside in society with other people. But I, I am, I am not ashamed of my disability. I'm not ashamed of my, uh, my issues, but my freedom comes from being alone. So that, that is my pride story. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Julia, there was something that you brought up, um, that I thought might be a bit interesting to get to know us a bit more. Um, and that was you mentioned, you know, your parents coming to the UK to, you know, give you a better life and the sorts of things that your parents have done and uh, in some ca cases the sacrifices that were made, if they can be described as sacrifices, and the sort of upbringing. I wonder if you can tell us a bit more, maybe. What was the question again, Joel? <laughs> uh, uh, basically... <laughs> What was your upbringing like as a disabled person? I said the question really yeah. badly, if that's any consolation. Yeah, so when it came to my upbringing, it was more about um, adapting my goals to be reasonable. Mm. Solely because of my disability, whether that is a physical barrier or a... I guess a, how do I put it, or a mental barrier, I could say. A mental block, sort um, of A mental block kind of way, where unfortunately we are in a society or in a world where people kind of tell us that we can't do certain things. And I guess when you're a child, you believe that. Mm. Whereas it takes people like your parents to kind of teach you that, no, this isn't a barrier as you may think it is. You just need to adapt yourself around it. Mm. Um, and I guess to give me those that opportunity is the primary reason why my parents moved here. So my parents came from not a particularly poor upbringing, I would say, from stories I heard about their childhood. Their childhood was quite good and quite normal. 
But when it came to me, I was kind of that kind of that hurdle for them. And they had to realise that they needed to make changes to their life. And to be honest with you, I think that set me up in a great spot because if I was still in Poland, I will be put into a category of you shouldn't be seen, heard, or get, get a decent education to high level. So me be me wanting to do very well academically kind of comes from my parents teaching me that you can't work physically as well as somebody else would who is able-bodied. But you can use other ways to do a good job and make a difference, one of them being using my brain and gaining knowledge, mm. which I forever will be grateful for my parents as, to be honest, they're kind of the primary reason why I'm in university, getting an undergrad degree and hopefully getting a higher degree to get a higher, um, to get a higher paying job and kind of give back to what they gave me. So the sacrifices that they made, I want to repay them. Yeah. Cool. It's really nice that, you know, you, you, you want to give back to your parents like that. I have a lot of respect for that. Um, next, what about you? Um, well, I, I feel like I am the complete opposite of, uh, of Julia in that I was expected to do a lot of things as a kid and, uh, um, and uh, especially socially, physically, whatever. Um, and most of the time I would fail at it. And so I didn't have anyone ever telling me, you can't do this. I did have people getting mad at me because I would fail at something. Well, you should be able to do this, so why can't you? And I could never answer that question. And I have extremely uh, low uh, confidence in part of that. I never had to climb up. Uh, I never had low expectations in which I had to uh, climb over like you did. Rather, I had high expectations that I could never reach. And so like that, it, it was uh, quite, uh, quite devastating. And look, looking back, like my academics, I had great academics and I was an avid reader. I um intellectually I teachers expected me to go far um but I started struggling more by the time I got into middle school and high school that reading became really really hard I, I went from reading so many books but I couldn't switch from reading like kids books and middle grade books I couldn't get into adult books and um, 
it, it, it's like I hit a wall intellectually and everyone would look at my patterns. Like what, what exactly is the problem? You did so great before. Why are you suddenly now? You're not trying hard enough. I'm not doing enough. And um, there, there were lots of times where I would try something and fail. And rather than being encouraged to try again, it would be step aside, step aside, we'll take care of it. We, uh, just you know, don't, don't make a fool of yourself or you're failing. And so, yeah, I grew up kind of useless and not able to do much. So there are, honestly, uh, it's not good to do what uh, low expectations, uh, but it's also not, not good to, to ex have high expectations that someone can't possibly reach. Yeah, I I think that um, I'm somewhere in the middle of you, probably closer to Julia rather than Lexi, in that, um, you know, I was raised with this attitude of, you can do. Okay, but I think you can't do, obviously. But, you know, you can do, you can do. Um, you know, and so, um, yeah, I, I think that's what, as Julia was saying, what gives me the confidence to speak out and to, you know, do all of this because there are these silly ideas that physically disabled people are uh, aren't capable mentally, um, and so you know I I like to try and prove those people wrong. They tend to be older people, um, and my size doesn't help. Like the other week, I got mistaken for a three year old. And someone went to stroke my cheek, and I went, yeah, like, right, you can go move your hand away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, I don't know where I was going at that point. I will be honest. It kind of I had a beard as well at the time. Beard. Exactly. There you go. I'm I was like, like what three-year-old has a beard? beard? If I have a beard, and I hit puberty <laughs> way too quickly. <laughs> And yet you think I'm cute, how dare you? <laughs> this beard is amazing. What? You're adorable. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> You're saved in my phone a small bean. <laughs> I'm just a cute little child. <laughs> this is why he's, he's saved in my phone a small bean, okay? <laughs> um, please, please say I'm not. You really are. And for a while, I thought your name was Joel Sprout. Do not ask me why. Uh, no, I have a friend to came from. <laughs> oh, boy. Wait, what do you guys call me? You guys call me Jules, don't you? I, no, I, I literally, I was just thinking I only call people by their name. I don't have nicknames for anyone. Literally, you are saved in my phone as Julia S. Wow, you're boring. Exactly. Even my mum, I don't call mum. I call her by her name in my, in my phone. 
Yeah, I had that as well for my mum, and then I changed it, and now it's mother. Mother. <laughs> mother. Because I need, because I kind of <laughs> reference um, Game of Thrones. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to just say <laughs> mother. <laughs> no, I reference um, Game of Thrones, Mother of Dragons. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> But yeah, back to the whole like kid thing. It it could you know the thing is I don't like how people in like as soon as they see a physically disabled person, that's an excuse or a reason, a, well a justified reason to go and touch them. Yeah. Like pat their heads, shrug their cheeks, like oh how are you, darling? Like. No. Aren't you a good little boy? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I'm, like, as a kid, like, that made sense. But I thought I would grow out of that. No, they haven't actually done that to me. That was me taking the mic. Like, that was me, like, whenever people pat me on the head, I'm like, yeah, I'll pretend to be a dog, sure. <laughs> no, I do that out of the fun of it. I don't actually do it to actually insult you though mm-hmm. so oh yeah no it's different when you pat me on my head <laughs> yeah i also pat you on my head i have a riser on my chair that goes up to like five foot five or something and when i look down and i go oh you're right down there how much of a mick he takes but the plus of it you actually get things from high shelves for me <laughs> she just uses you went to me. a bookstore we went to a bookstore recently and he did that. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but also, in terms of like how people perceive us or I guess the values we have also comes from the... I, I don't know if it's the... Do you think like it's the ethnic background also? Coming from someone who has Polish roots, although I don't live in Poland, I kind of live in terms of like the UK normal things, right? When I go to Poland, their perception of ha- of me as a disabled person makes me super uncomfortable. Okay, you know what I I have to say I don't um I I forget that I'm not white and I I don't think about my race at all. Like my race has zero. But you lived it all your life, right? Yeah. You lived in the UK all your life. See, I lived. I think I lived there for two years. Obviously, I don't remember those two years because I was so young. Yeah. But I still can see kind of the the cracks of it still a little bit. Not in just like maybe not in my parents so much anymore because now the perception is kind of what's here. As in, just because you've got a disability doesn't mean you can't do anything. You can mm-hmm. do anything you want as long as you accommodate yourself to like someone accommodates you to it or you put healthy boundaries and goals for yourself. Whereas in Poland, when I go back there, and I went there recently, when I tell them I'm in university, they are kind of in shock, horror, disbelief, and Mm -hmm. kind of question of why. Yeah. Even though they don't say why, they make every single statement, any question, any conversation kind of, leads that way kind of without even yeah. being directly saying why 
I came back from it. I came back from Poland, came back home, and I just like looked back at all those conversations, thinking to myself, "My God, their perception is still so far behind." Yeah, it is actually quite scary. The fact that like I know people who are going to special special needs schools and are being taught, everyone's being taught the same thing over and over again for a couple of number of years. Doesn't matter if they pick it up straight away or if it takes them a while to pick it up. Mm. And also to a very certain degree to gain education, which to me is absolutely wild. I'm like, why? Like, yes, you can teach someone something over and over again, but you have to realize it gets repetitive for some people. Mm. And two, maybe people don't get it because the teaching style does not connect with yeah like the same teaching style is applied for everybody the same materials applied to everybody you're just expected to, to pick it up absolutely yes. at the end of your education night yes. and that is it whether it's at the most at the most basic level makes me realize how lucky i am actually to be here in the uk and actually getting a degree really yeah how was your like for you, Joel? Like, do you feel there was people kind of telling, asking you why without being directly telling, asking you why? Uh, I don't think it's happened to me particularly. Um, like, uh, there was a. Hmm, how do I tell the story? I have a friend that he's become a friend now, uh, but when I first met him. He's in his 40s, I think, um, and he has two disabled children, uh, intellectually disabled. Um, and, um, you know, when we first met, he's a Christian as well. Um, oh, God. yeah. He essentially prayed that I would be healed. And at the time, I was very, like, at the time he said that I was very anti, like very atheist. I'm like, how dare you, you know. I didn't say anything at the time, but I was like, you know, how dare you take away a part of my identity? And, you know, it, it took him a while to realise that actually I'm quite happy being a disabled person and, you know, this is my life and this is how I've lived all of my life and so it's normal for me. And actually, you know, my brain isn't impacted and you know i can i can do uh you know he was a bit surprised i guess because he's got intellectually disabled children he was surprised that um you know a, a physically disabled child isn't intellectually disabled also um i i guess that's what it was i've never really spoken to him about it um but yeah i think that's something that we've both dealt with julia I, I think that's something you dealt with a lot, Julia, about, you know, people, uh, religious people sort of coming up to you and praying for you when actually that's not what you want. And that can be quite damaging. It's kind of also the reason why I disconnected from said religion. Well, not religion-wise, right? Here's the thing. In terms of religion, right, in terms of the teachings, in terms of, the bible and saying like you like be kind the ten commandments basically don't murder 
be kind, all of those kind of things. Like, I believe that wholeheartedly. Like, I believe those values so wholeheartedly. I don't believe in the teachings of the church because, to me, that seems like a gateway for people to put their expectations and their, I guess, their thoughts and their feelings and project them onto me by saying, you need to be healed. Why will I need to be healed? If God says his, like, everyone's made in his image and I'm disabled, that means he wanted me that way. Why should he heal? Yeah. Like, why is that a thing? Like, why should he heal if he wanted me to be this way? And unfortunately, like, yes, I've met a lot of people with disabilities, mainly through the Catholic religion by going on pilgrimages to Lourdes, which I went to in April. And even though I love that community and, like, the people there wholeheartedly, sometimes I hear, like, people talk about healing. It makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. As if to say, oh, we came to this place to heal. And I'm like, I didn't come to this place to heal. I came Mm. to this place to make friends. Unfortunately, to be in a place full of people with disabilities, from a range of disabilities, you unfortunately have to go to places that include religion. Because there's a huge stereotype of people with physical disabilities, intellectual disabilities, mental disabilities, invisible disabilities, that they need to be healed. And unfortunately, a lot of people believe that. And that's why they go. Kind of, it's also the reason I went in the beginning. Well, actually, my parents wanted me to go. I just wanted to go to meet people. Mm. I did not think of it from a religious standpoint ever. And then as I got older, and I recently went, and I kind of seen it from a different lens. As a child, you don't see it through that lens as much. You just kind of like, oh, they want to heal me. But at the same time, it makes you question, am I broken? Am I not wanted? Am I basically trashed in your eyes Mm. and then now that I've grown up and I've kind of seen like social media has been a big platform for me to see that what I've been through and what I questioned is not a bad thing many people question Mm. and now hence why I don't believe in the teaching but I still go to meet people because I believe the people are amazing kind of disgusting to be honest with you the fact that religion has to be involved in every single act of a disabled person's like the the vision or the visual of a disabled person there's been good and bad things about religion but one of the things that one of the big negatives has been about expecting conformity you must be like this, you must have this orientation. You must, um, th- there is like an expectation uh, that, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, for pretty much all of my life, I've considered myself Christian. 
and that um I I've always wanted to believe in a higher power that there is that there is a great designer that you know we're, we're not just a result of happenstance and I have had some great experience of community um with church groups and such um and that uh, uh, that that faith and, and that um I, I want to be a Christian, but going seeing what's going on in America and just watching everything kind of fall apart uh by being taken over by uh an accident and such it, it makes me really question one of the things that uh i do is i look a lot um i do a lot of research in cults now christianity in of itself is not a cult it um and it, it can do some wonderful things however seeing how people can manipulate the words to create uh, to, to create an image, create the rules, these arbitrary rules that they they may be in the Bible, they may not like um right. uh what was it? I I think I was reading through the um uh reading through the bible and you know, for example uh it does talk about how a man should not lay with a man but on the same page it says that you're you can, cannot eat blood because blood is life and your meat must be fully cooked i do not see people railing against rare meat no you are not allowed to eat a rare you go to a restaurant. Um, it must be fully cooked, well done. Like so the picking and choosing of rules um has really got me to question my faith and seeing people and seeing how much other people have been hurt. Uh, by those who call themselves Christian, or who who are we to say who is Christian and who uh, who is not? But there are absolutely those who use that to manipulate others and to exclude other people. So, and. and does nothing about it. Like I, you know, I, 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 if he cares so much about us to be in our daily lives and not want us to do something like lying or being jealous or you know uh, taking his name in vain, he cares so much about those things, but does absolutely nothing to uh, 
but just to stop people who are using his book to manipulate others and to exclude others that if the Christian God is the true God, he made all three of us exactly the way we are. He, and he made us to be the perfect versions of ourselves. But mm. the way humanity sees us. Mm. And I think with the use of social media, it's only gotten worse as well with time. Because back then, I do not remember this type of hate or as strong of a hate as there is now. Yes, there is a more sense of community where now people can interact and like share their experiences, share their beliefs, their values, but it comes with a curse of now these communities that are starting to form are picking and choosing what they want to believe. And it's only humane, let's be honest. It's only humane that 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 we only listen to what we want to hear. But at the same time, I think a lot of people need to realise, especially something as powerful as religion, that you cannot use yes. that to overpower somebody Absolutely. else. Like you cannot use it just to benefit one person and you to benefit the whole world. I feel like I've gone off topic a bit. <laughs> we went down the whole rabbit hole of religion. But yeah. let's be honest, like, unfortunately, anything you want to do with disability, religion is going to be intertwined there somewhere. Yeah, it's a good point. There's no way better to it. Because there is a lot of uh, spiritual abuse, is, uh, is the term, that I think, you know, sums up what we're saying here. Um, you know, where... There's a misuse of the holy holy book. Um, whatever religion that is, it's not just Christianity. It happens in pretty much all religions where there's this misuse. Uh, spiritual leaders can deliberately sometimes misinterpret the word uh, or you know the the, um, the holy book in order to manipulate and put out their own views and stuff. Um, and it happens a lot against marginalised people, particularly disabled people. It also makes me wonder, like, is the thing that is the things we talk about right now, what we talk about, is that religious trauma? Like, is that religious trauma? I don't know I, to what extent someone could tell you that it is. I would say that it is. Um, I mean, some of the things that Lexi yeah, was saying, I've experienced not the same thing, but similar things. And that is uh, spiritual abuse uh, and religious trauma. Maybe that's why I've got such a dislike to going into any church. It doesn't matter if the person I know who goes there is an amazing person. Like the people I went with to Lewis, they're amazing people. But just the thought of going into a church now makes me severely uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I get that because I have the same thing. I'm uncomfortable going into churches because that is a place where I've experienced a lot of pain. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. 
I'm also a people's pleaser, so when I went on that trip, although I was uncomfortable, I still went to want to be around people. Unfortunately, no. so that, one, that kind of makes me a people's pleaser, unfortunately. <laughs> um, there's one more thing I think I want to discuss in this episode. There was a, uh, as I've said before, I'm very involved with Scope, which is a disability equality charity here in the UK. Uh, and um, something that we've noticed, both me and Scope, independently, is that there's a lot more uh, in the media about disability, which is amazing, but recently there's also been some negative things, so sort of. Um, there's been media coverage and debate around disability benefit benefits in the UK. We've had politicians saying, uh, near enough that we are a burden on taxpayers. Sorry, but that just makes me so weak in the like, right now, although I can't feel my legs. You get the pressure, it just makes me so like <laughs> exhausted just yeah. hearing you say that. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, almost every disabled person would work if they were able to. And then, you you know, you come out and say that we're a burden. Oh, thanks for that. Oh, I wish that could work. Trust me, I would. But unfortunately, my chronic pain and my and my diagnosis say otherwise. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, I also got a text message. Uh, a few weeks back, saying that um, I would get paid £150 a one-off payment um, for all the yep. cost of living rise, rises um, and all, everything that's it? going on recently. I haven't got it yet. I will get it soon, I suspect. Me neither. <laughs> I'm sure it will come through. Um, but it's like they expect £150 over multiple months to... What, reimburse us for everything, like literally the price of everything rising? Really? We think that's going to even nearly cut it? It's a £50. No, you know what actually takes the actual piss? I'm so sorry for my language. But what takes the absolute mick is the Christmas time. Oh, yeah, the Christmas bonus. Is it £10 or £20? I think that was £20 because of the living crisis, but nonetheless, takes the absolute mick <laughs> and i'm like thank you thanks for my christmas gift of 10 20 pound yeah wait, wait. yeah <laughs> it is a bit like is there any point in giving that i bet it it cost them a lot of money to set up that one payment it's better to use that money and Madness. invest it into accessibility to ac- uh, oh my god, accessible entrances and access. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is an article that I will leave in the description. Um, Scope publishes open letter in response to just just there in response to destructive disability narrative, um, and there's a short letter basically about all the coverage that is saying that everyone who is out of work, disability benefits, is lazy and a burden on taxpayers um, and is something that needs to be cut down on. Listen, like, for me, my only source of income is my benefits. 
that's not enough to live off. And they think that £150 one of payment is going to cut it. Um, think about it. They did raise it recently again due to the cost of living crisis. So I used to get three under 400 Now I get 400 like straight across. Yeah, but if that's your only income, that's still not much. Um, well, they know. can argue that I live from home. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think that, that benefit changes whether you live alone or not. But, yeah, but trying to change that information once you do move is hard because they need to go through the entire process. Oh, yeah, but the benefit process is designed to make it as difficult as possible and as stressful as possible. I think it's to discourage people from getting benefits. And it is I just... About it actually, and um, I told him like that. Actually, when I got my PIP, which is a benefit here in the UK, um, I thought the amount I got given was normal. Like, even though the mark scheme and the points given was totally biased and like mm. did not benefit me in any sort of way, I thought that was normal. Until I spoke with more people about it, that I realized it's not normal. And Theo actually recently was like, how about you appeal? I'm like, yeah, if I appeal, that's going to stop payments. It's going to mean that I have to go through that entire like legal process. Yeah. God knows how long it's going to take. And then if you do get reimbursed, you're going to get a large sum of money. God knows when. Like, what am I going to mean to be living off of then? Because... Unfortunately, the money I use for my PIP is used for med- medical supplies, which aren't cheap. Yeah. Mm. And I do occasionally like help my parents out, but that's very rare when I've got money left over from the month. I don't know. Um, no, I myself uh, uh, don't have a. a disability because of my job i am enable i am ineligible uh, to apply even for temporary disability um which i tried to when i when i needed surgery and i still haven't had that because i've got no way to mm-hmm. uh, survive after surgery while i recover so um one of the issues yeah. my mother has she receives disability payments and um she has not been able to work for quite a few years and one of the big issues is your the more you work or the more self-sufficient you are the more you get punished for it so she runs yeah. her, a, uh, she has an online business and she ships out to people who buy her products, right? And before I think she was allowed to make like $3,000 in a month before it affected her disability. And 
then it got changed and I'm not entirely clear if they changed it down to 600 a month or six a year. So if you make $600, well, then we're cutting out your benefits. So you, so she basically closed down her store because she, or to lose those benefits mm. if she to sell too much. Mm. Um, and so it yeah. really defeats the purpose of, um, like, I, I do understand the more you want to encourage people to be more self-sufficient and find other avenues, but to make it completely, un, you can't live off of it. Um, that's just wrong. And the same actually goes for the welfare system. It is extremely difficult to get off of welfare and such, because if you make a certain amount of money, you lose everything. It, it's not like, so you can never yeah. get yourself caught up. You can never achieve kind of normalcy. And the closer you get to a normal mm. life, the more the government will will remove their part and make it impossible. So it's a self-fulfilling cycle. Yeah. See, there needs to be like some sort of buffer, some sort of safety net mm. of some sort like yes i understand them saying you need to, like you like the idea of reducing benefits to them might seem like a good idea because it's teaching people that oh that means we don't have to help you as much as much as you think you do so we're going to slowly wean wean you off of our help but if for some reason it does happen, whether you're disabled or not, you enter a block in your life that you just can't manage to get over, and it's going to hurt you both yeah. physically and financially, yeah. one way or another. And then you see that kind of buffer to help you. Like, to me, it sounds so absurd, to be honest. Like, removing your benefit because you're earning... You can't earn more than six hundred dollars a month, a month, a year. Like, how do you expect someone not to to work, but only up until a certain amount? Like, it, 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 there's just no way to stop that. Exactly. Stop working exactly. after six hundred dollars. Like, you can't tell your boss, "Hey, I'm going to work for you." But make sure yes. my paycheck does not exceed yes, $600 exactly. a month. Like it, it is self-defeating. You know, they want to say, well, um, people shouldn't be relying on the government. And uh, yeah, yeah. But also you shouldn't be working. Yes. That's just so I understand they want to get rid of the fraud and such. And... Um, I heard somewhere that, yes, there is, 
um, some amount of fraud and people get on disability, they want to use and abuse it. That accounts for maybe 20%. 80% of people need it and use it exactly intended. And so they, people, I don't know, like, and it is so, so hard, just as you guys mentioned, just to be able to get those payments. Like the hoops that you have to jump through and the red tape that you have to cut through. Like, no one is doing this for the jollies. They get interrogated about a disability. Like, I had to go through an interrogation process, which to me was totally inhumane. Like, the fact that they have to visibly see that you're disabled, even though they, I gave them permission into my medical history. I don't understand, like, people frauding that kind of things. Because I'm like, if you are using all of that money into fake documents and fake identity, you might as well yeah. just not do it. Because mm. what's the point? <laughs> like, it's such a backward cycle. But then when it's someone like us, and then they're like, oh, but you're faking it. I'm like, how on earth do you think I'm faking it? Do you think I've got the money to fraud all these documents? To fraud all these hospital visits? To fraud my wheelchair? To fraud the equipment I got given, unfortunately, through the government, unfortunately? Like, how on earth do you fraud that? Mm. Like, it, it to me, it's so, like, backwards. And the whole interrogation process. And I don't know if you've seen those videos, Joel, on TikTok or not, but there are, like, hidden, like, undercover hidden cameras where it's people who are assessing somebody for a PIP where they have to come in and, like, answer questions, do certain activities to prove their disability. Mm. And for them to get, and then behind the scenes, behind in like the hidden cameras, getting mocked for what they do, how they do certain things, Mm. how they get up and transfer, how they get dressed. They're even telling you, oh, um, by the way, for them getting like literally someone sitting there, like, oh, how how many points should I give to this person? Oh, give them one because they came and dressed really well when they came to this interview. Like, so that's. So the first red flag is you want someone to look stereotypically disabled, meaning mm. no nice clothes. Unfortunately, we yes. love to dress up. We love mm. to feel good. Or the fact that you enjoy cooking from home, because I've, I've seen those videos on TikTok where they're like, oh, so cooking, how do you manage that? Oh, well, you know, with the help of somebody, I enjoy cooking. I love making food. This, that, and the other, like being genuinely happy with their accomplishments, just to be, be- and then behind the scenes being said behind their back, oh my god, they they definitely they know how to cook. Mm. That means they don't need anybody's help. So why are they here? Like, I'm just like, excuse me, like, at what point? Mm. Who gave you permission to criticize that? The criteria is quite simple, straight to the point, straight to the bloody point. But yet they want to make it difficult by saying, oh, because you came well-dressed, you know how to dress without assistance. Mm. Like, um, you don't need care in the mornings. I remember I told them that 
it takes me about an hour to get ready, an hour to get ready for bed and to get up in the mornings to, like, to start my day. And if I need to do anything extra on my medical needs, which I do, like, every couple, like a few times a week, I tell them, yeah, it's like three, if not four bloody hours a week, like a, a, a three, four yeah. hours plus that a week. And they told me, oh, so you only need two hours per week to help, meaning you're on the lower scale of assistance and you help during the day. You see what I mean? That's how backwards that is. Oh, wow. Like, somebody make that make sense to me, please. I would love to know what, what that, where the sense in that is. That's what was written in my legit PIB. In the documentation. And then later, my uh, Theo is saying to me, Julia, appeal that because what they wrote in that in that um in that legal document is wrong like they need to be held accountable i'm like but what's the point what's the point of appealing it is scary i'm also wondering who on earth gave them the authority Mm. one thing i have uh learned about um just I don't know, call it politics or such. So many of our rules are people expect us to live a certain way. They they imagine things in their head of thing how things they think things should be, and then they make a judgment based on their imaginings, and that seems to be a very common thread in so many aspects of life when actually um because they're doing that it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling uh process so for example you mentioned how uh how in poland uh if you were in poland you wouldn't be able to get nearly the same education as you can now uh, or Hey, I, I am very sorry for all the noise. I've got so much noise going around. I'm sorry. Um, but um, it's be- it's kind of self-fulfilling. They think, well, just because you're disabled that you must be dumb. But they're the ones who are refusing to educate and to give that opportunity. And so in this way, you know, they are making decisions yeah. as to what your needs are. And then complain that, I, I, like, well, that's good enough. I, I decided what you needed. So therefore, uh, <clears throat> it, I don't know. It's just really, really frustrating. And it's, I will tell you a very common phrase that I heard when I was always going there to visit. Disabled people should be not seen or heard. If they say that. Oh, that is a very common phrase used over there. And it makes me, and it makes me internally angry about it. 
Yeah. I did some uh, some history uh, research years ago, and um, it, I think it was during the '88 Olympics. Uh, I don't know. It was hosted in Russia, whichever year it was. It was hosted in Russia, and Russia refused to have the to host the Paralympics. Mm. So Russia refused to host the Paralympics because, according to them, they didn't have any disabled people in their country. Um, or why would they have Paralympics? And like, it's such a backwards way of thinking. And now, or well, I don't know about now, but in future Olympics, they have been dominating like the Paralympic uh, sports and such. Once they start to embrace and seeing the potential, uh, mm. I think it's once they knew they could make a profit well, out of it, that's when they that started too, to turn around to it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, when you think about it, who's just going to host Paralympics and the Olympics? To them, it's a cash grab, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, it, it is more how they can ben be benefited themselves. Uh. Back to the whole Paralympics thing. I don't know if you guys have seen this on TikTok or in social media in general, how the Paralympics social media page is making fun what? of disabled athletes as in like the normal olympics right they are using audios that are like showing us like yeah wow look at this achievement that somebody threw a javelin so far and that's an achievement but yet someone who is also doing the same exact sport but has dwarfism and they are putting an audio that is semi-mocking or people making parodies of that clip showing, for example, someone, the, the person from a javelin who's, who has dwarfism, but doing a cut where it shows their shoe is covered in toothpicks, for example. Like, do you see what I mean? It's like yeah. such backwards thinking and backwards logic. It makes me wonder, like, you are, and they actually reposted that video onto their top TikTok page. And I'm like, you're a page and an organization all about lifting disabled people up in mm. the area of sports. But here you are mocking said disabled person for their achievement just to get clicks and views. Because unfortunately, those videos are seen as funny because people stitch them or they duet them and yeah. they just take the absolute mick out of it. And unfortunately, a page such as the Paralympics, they need the engagement. They're going to post those clips. They're going to repost those clips. Yeah. See, there's like, there's like two sides of the media. Like one, yes, they are like supporting us, showing us love, attention. Yes, there should be more people with disabilities in the media, whether it's visible or invisible. But yet, as soon as it is known that someone has a disability, they take the absolute mech out of it. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was just one of who saw that book. Apparently. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you said, Julia. <laughs> like, at all? Like, the entire thing? Uh, uh, like, the last sentence. I said, apparently, the media is is a two-sided coin. One, oh, yeah. where they support you and they love you, but the second part is that they take the absolute mick out of you and it's okay because it's media attention yes. of some kind. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think part of it is... The, the audience, the audience, and just misconceptions so much. So I remember a video from years ago from a Paralympics, um, and it was an archery contest. And uh, so two competitors, one was a guy with um, congenital limb differences. He he didn't really have any arms and so he shot his bow with his legs and he was completely comfortable doing this and uh, no issues and he got bullseyes and uh he won the other guy uh was someone who appeared normal mostly um he was a soldier with PTSD and nerve damage. He lost vision in one side and he didn't have much functionality in, um, in one side of his body. And so uh, he struggled. You, you can see him struggling to, to use the bow. And the comments were so um, brutal, mocking him. Mocking him for, oh, well, look, that armless guy couldn't, uh, did better than you. What's your problem? It's like, well, there, there's a big difference. And it is in part of how people, people look, but like just the public perception. And, and it doesn't help with any kind of video that it shows in a mocking light. Yes, either yes. you have a disability or you're faking it. There's yes. no middle ground. Or the misconception of a wheelchair user where they can move their legs. Like, not everyone who uses a wheelchair is paralyzed from the waist down. People have Neuro neurological problems that could help make them not being able to walk properly or nerve damage or they have seizures or something like it's mm, yeah. yeah i i watched a um i saw one and i wish i could find it again it was someone saying that exact thing that not all wheelchair users are paralyzed and this was a video that was stitched and i really wish i could find it again um it, it was a video that was stitched and 
the the woman saying this that you know n not everyone who uses wheelchairs can't walk uh she was a heavier woman and so the person doing the stitching uh, a, a skinny commenter just mocks her mocks her well uh about being fat and lazy and there was absolutely no indication in the video that she was even talking about herself using a wheelchair she was just making an overall statement and like I don't know. I don't quite know where I was going with that, but um, was she being rude in making that stitch, or was it more like awareness, like, hey, people who have a wheelchair don't necessarily are paralyzed from the waist down? Um, the person who was being stitched, the heavier woman. Uh, she was being respectful, but the woman who was doing the stitching and yeah. making a comment, she was mocking it. She okay. she was mocking like that thing, um, and completely missed the point of the message and instead went to mocking. And like that is kind of the power of the media and you know maybe uh, jo like Joel and me and yeah I'd love to see what Julia writes but writers and entertainers have a chance and opportunity to show a different side of things a, a more realistic we need more disabled writers and more disabled characters in media because even though we tell ourselves, oh, well, that's just fiction, the reality is it does affect our subconscious. And then we reflect those judgments on other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't realize how much, you know, the media impacts you. But it really does. It really, really does. Maybe it's one of the main reasons why I haven't been active on it as much. Because, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned, I think I mentioned this to Joe actually more than once, that ever since I, we started the podcast, I kind of took on the role of the Instagram account. Mm. And I've been following, like, creators on there and stuff like that, just to show some sort of engagement from our side that we do support creators who are disabled and stuff like that mm. but as soon as i did that and i did not the exact same thing but a similar thing on my personal one mm. and i started seeing disabled creators at first it was all sunshine sunshine, <laughs> sunshine and rainbows and i'm like oh this is great like i'm seeing disabled creators and they're saying all of these things these are so true like i've experienced mm. that and then somehow, some way, I entered this deep, dark, kind of twisted rabbit hole of the disabled community where it's not the disabled community themselves saying anything bad. It's able-bodied people who do not understand 
saying awful things, stitching creators, mocking them, taking the absolute mick out of them. And I'm like, how on earth did I get here? Mm. And just seeing these like awful comments, although some of these comments have been positive, I don't know why, but I went on this like whole mission of finding the mean comments. I know that may sound twisted, and may sound absolutely wrong, like, oh, you shouldn't be looking at negative comments, especially if they don't concern you. Mm. But I was just curious what people were saying about this creator or yeah. creators. And once I realized, and I was like, oh, no, what kind of rabbit hole did I enter? Like, I don't know how to get out of it. And now my For You page is all of these weird videos of people mocking disabled people. Yeah. Even though I don't like them, I don't engage with them in that way. I just look at comment sections. But still, the algorithm picked it up, and now it's showing me those things. Mm. And I'm like, get me away from social media, and I haven't been on it as often as I used to, mainly because of university, but also just because I was doing it so bad for mental health. Yeah, yeah, it really can be. I was like, I can't figure it out. Running slightly more add, adding, I guess, to the painful part of that, those same people who are making those cruel comments are also the ones who are voting and making decisions about your life and what you're allowed to Oh, that, do. yes. Oh, finally, somebody said it. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. That is so true. Like, the person who is in charge of pensions, like, the finances, what the hell are you doing? Hmm. I don't know. Is there some sort of law, Joel, in the UK where you can only earn a certain amount before your, unless you, uh, for your benefit not to go down? No, I, think I don't the think there's anything any like impact. that. There's no law, but it's just what the government decides. Yeah, but I don't think PIP gets touched at all. Unless you get it reviewed every 10 years, then yes. But that's a whole different thing. I have no idea. I don't understand enough about PIP. Well, mine expires in 2030. Well, it expires. It gets reviewed in 2030. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, shall we finish anyway, there? Anyway, that needs to be an episode of the phone. Yeah. Finances can be an episode of its own. Um, yeah. I feel like Scope needs to jump onto that, or maybe it's someone who. Oh, Scope are definitely on it. UK, UK part. Scope are definitely. Scope are definitely, you know, talking about finances and they're definitely campaigning to the government about stuff like that. Um, yeah. Needs a freaking LinkedIn account, that's what it needs. I've got a LinkedIn account. Join us also on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, join us for our LinkedIn accounts. Yeah, I think we have. So, when I'll go through a quick list of all the platforms we're on. Uh, to listen, we are on. Uh, oh, I lost my mouse. Even my computer does this. Jeez. Oh, sorry, I know Spotify and Car. 
Google Podcasts. Yeah. Apple Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, the obvious ones. Wait, oh, I'm, wait, why can't I find what I'm looking for? F16, I know that for a fact. Podcast availability, that's what I'm looking for. Yes, Lexi, we are on 16 channels for podcasting. We are. It's uh, actually... Amazon it's Music, actually Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pod- Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, YouTube. I mean, on social media, we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can also email us. Thanks very much for joining us on this episode of Ramped Up. Uh, series 2, very, very exciting stuff coming. Um, we, we've got another episode coming out this time next week. Um, and you can keep up to date with everything we're doing on our social medias at RampedUp.podcast. We have a TikTok and Instagram with that handle and a Twitter which I've forgotten, uh, our Twitter is ramped up underscore pod, because apparently you can't do ramped up podcast. <laughs> um, and so we're going to start posting there more often. Uh, and yeah, we we thank you very much for joining us. Um, check the description down below for all details on our social media and all of our links. Um, and... Let's do our free person out, though. That's it for me, Joel Sprouse. Me, Julia Shenko. And Lexi Bushnell. Yay! <laughs> Three people. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Goodbye. Bye.